so basically we need a revolution. Um, I'm joking, of course, I'm not joking. Um, what I want to talk about is this. Obviously, we need to transform our education system. Fund it properly would be a good start. But we also have a social order which is bankrupt and robs people of their, of their potential from the earliest possible age. Now, this week was a very welcome announcement. Uh, Labour announced that they were going to scrap SATs for those aged 10. And for me, I, I was part of the guinea pig generation. I was part of the generation where SATs were introduced for six-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 14-year-olds. And I remember at the age of 10, my primary school teacher, Miss Button, got us to write to the then education secretary, Gillian Shepherd, for us to tell her what we thought about the SATs test, age 10. It was quite an angry letter, from which I remember. I'm sure it is somewhere there in the archives. Might do a Freedom of Information request just to find out exactly what I wrote, because I think, frankly, it's been downhill from there. Um, but it, it was, I remember, I mean, my teachers, I should say, were not, not great fans of the Conservatives' education policies. I remember age 10, when John Major's Conservatives unexpectedly won the general election, and they turned up dressed in black. Uh, I, I worry talking about this, because... I always worry talking about my, uh, you know, it will be another incoming spectator article by Toby Young about uh, my communist teachers, etc., etc. But, but what I want to talk about in terms of this is obviously we need to transform our education system. And what Labour proposed was welcome, but not radical enough. And I always think it's quite refreshing to talk about the lack of radicalism uh, by the Labour Party because the standard narrative is they're going to nationalise your grant. But also we need to talk about our broken social order. And that social order, which is bankrupt and unjust, is at the root of all of the evils, including educational inequality, which bedevils this nation and so many others. Now, that primary school I'm talking about, so it's Kale Green Primary School in Stockport. It was in the bottom 5% by results. And I was the only boy to go to sixth form, let alone university. More went to prison. Um, and it wasn't because I was brighter. Uh, it was because I had odds stacked to my favour from day one. I was the son of a white-collar uh, worker at Sheffield City Council and a Salford University IT lecturer. Uh, many of the people I grew up with, uh, their parents were not in work or in precarious work. Um, and for me, that always opened my eyes to the grotesque inequality that doesn't just scar British society, but defines it. But I just want to talk about, in terms of transforming our education system, now, of course, firstly, you know, the revolution that needs to take place, which Labour haven't committed to. And that includes, in terms of the fact that selection at the age of 10 and 11 still exists in British society. There are still 163 grammar schools, and they don't work. They, you know, they, uh, just 3% of grammar school pupils are eligible for free school meals, and they serve communities in which 18% uh, are eligible for free school meals. As that well-known communist rag, the Financial Times, put it, poor children do dramatically worse in selective areas. We must end selection, full stop, and ensure that everybody has an integrated, comprehensive education. And again, with private education, we've heard so eloquently from David Ginniston there about the evils of private education, and we must end the segregation by the bank balances of people's parents. 
I remember a few years ago, it was 2011, a long time ago, I went to visited City of London School, my natural stomping ground, uh, along with Fiona Miller, an incredible and inspiring campaigner for comprehensive education. And we were debating a newly elected Conservative MP called Jacob Rees-Mogg, who at the time I thought was, uh, you know, the 17th century would regard as, uh, as, a, as, as a little bit wacky. But anyway, but we won the debate was the key point. We won the debate, and the argument that was made, it was more compelling by Fiona as ever, was that actually it wasn't just, yes, it would confer you with all these privileges, but, it, but actually private education is not good also for those who go. That actually the standard of teaching often is better at state schools anyway, and what people uh, are buying, if you like, is, or, or, or the reason they purchase that education is a fear of their children mixing with those from different backgrounds. It can breed and I need to choose my words carefully here, a sense of social uh, superiority and helps create networks. And that's why the author, Robert Verkeig, is right to call for a slow and painless euthanasia of private schools, which we can do. They're granted charitable status and absurdity, which needs to be abolished. Uh, generous tax breaks, for example, uh, relief from paying business rates, exemptions on VAT, on school fees, as we've already heard. And we need to end these privileges, and that will make these schools unaffordable to run. And sharp-elbowed parents will go to state school with a particular incentive to improve them. We need to talk about cuts, the fact that per-pupil funding has been attacked by, it's gone down by 8% under this government, an act of vandalism, an act of vandalism on the future, not just of those peoples, but on the country as a whole and its future, because of course that potential of those people, of those young people unlocked will mean that we all suffer as a society. Sixth form cuts, a particular passion of mine. My own sixth form now, its budget compared to when I left, which was 2002, is a quarter of what it was then. Astonishing. Again, an act of outrageous vandalism on people's potential. And the National Education Service that Labour are talking about is about being well-funded, but of course we need to change those structures as well. Exams, a welcome start with SATs, but this obsession with over-examining children, it causes mental distress at a young age, but it also damages creativity and critical thinking. I mean, there was a 2015 study, and 8 out of 10 teachers found the British exam system hinders the development of the whole child. We need to not just get rid of SATs at the age of 10, we need to get rid of more exams than that. And it will take the pressures out of, uh, that's placed on pupils, but also teachers, and give them time to plan those, those lessons. Now, Finland, we've heard about Finland. And I think Finland is instructive, because I want to partly move on to that point about the broken social order. The Finnish education system is one of the best in the world. And they got rid of the old segregated system. It was failing. It was mediocre. And that was from the late 60s onwards, that foundation for the integrated comprehensive education was built. And as has been discussed, they have almost no private schools. They have child daycare and pre-education, which are all free. School, again, discussed, doesn't start to the age of seven. Uh, and it's all based on play-based education. And all the academic research shows that play-based education is beneficial for the later academic development of a child. Every 45 minutes of teaching, students are required to have a 15-minute break. In Finland, they let children be children, which is so important. There was almost no homework. School inspections were abolished in the 1990s in favor of self-assessment. 
They have universal free school meals, not just at primary school, but at secondary school as well, on the basis that healthy and nutritious food is critical for the academic development of every child. Teachers are venerated. They're not denounced and attacked and undermined by the media and the government on a daily basis. Applications to be a teacher is extremely competitive. They're given genuine autonomy and responsibility. They're not treated as though they're exam-dispensing robots. They spend less time teaching in lessons and more time preparing. In Finland, the average teacher will spend 600 hours a year teaching. In America, it's over 1,000. But it works much, much better. Some of the best educational results in the world. But the key point as well, and this is so important, and we're right to talk about the Finnish education system and its, and its successes, but it's not just about the education system. It's about Finnish society as well. Just 5% of Finnish children, despite a growth in inequality, but just 5% of Finnish children grow up in poverty. In the United States, it's over a fifth. They have a comprehensive welfare state, and it nurtures and promotes the, the well-being of the child effectively from conception. They have generous maternity leave, paid paternity leave for all, universal preventive care for children and their mothers that identifies any early health problems from the very beginning. All of it's about promoting the health, happiness, and well-being of children. Now, there's no question, and I wouldn't be standing here, I don't think, as somebody who was a writer without some of the support I got from my teachers. Miss Button, who I referred to, I remember she sent something I wrote for the, uh, to The Guardian when I was about nine. They didn't reply. <laughs> um, now, Professor Diane Ray, who's an incredible uh, professor of education at Cambridge University, somebody from a working-class background, of which there are so few often in academia. And the point she made to me, though, was that schools represent only 15 to 20% of a child's development, that we focus often too much on what happens within the classroom rather than outside. Now, can... Let's just consider what's happened to this country. Child poverty is now, has now last year increased at the fastest rate since 1988. What does child poverty mean? Lower birth weight. It can mean far more likely to develop everything from asthma, poor nutrition, delays in development and learning difficulties, mental distress like depression and anxiety, the stress that poverty can put, and it is an experience which differs from family to family, but the pressures it can put on relationships and family life. The fact that in one of the richest countries that has ever existed in the history of humanity, hundreds of thousands of people, many of them children, are unable to satisfy the most basic need of all, other than breathing and drinking water to eat and are driven to charities, to food banks, to satisfy their hunger in 2019. This is a society in which one out of every 200 British citizens are homeless or have inadequate housing. A country in which hundreds of thousands of families languish on social housing waiting lists. That's been flogged off. A country in which, in this, and I'm a plastic northern, I sold out my northern roots to live in London, and I can cycle around, as I often do, and I see these empty flats where all the windows are dark, these luxury flats, because nobody lives there. In a capital city, and this goes for many of the places surrounding the very place we currently sit, 
One in four children in overcrowded homes and the damage that is inflicted on everything from their health to their educational attainment by that housing crisis. A country in which most people in poverty are in work, earning their poverty day after day after day. No wonder the head teachers union say that schools have become the unofficial fourth emergency system in this country. This is a country in which hungry pupils are eating from school bins. Where eight out of ten teachers say that the mental health of pupils has declined in the past two years. That in the last week, the National Education Union have said that child poverty is causing pupils to come to school tired, hungry, angry, and confused. None of these, none of these problems are like the weather. We can complain about the weather, as I'm sure we spend as people who are British doing. We can complain about it raining. There's nothing we can do about it. But these, injustice, these injustices are manufactured. This is one of the wealthiest countries that has ever existed. We have the resources, we have the ability to eliminate every single one of these injustices. The idea that one child grows up in poverty or lives in an overcrowded home is an obscenity which we can eradicate. And that is why this debate and discussion on education, it must talk about funding it properly and transforming it and being embedded with egalitarian principles. But it must also talk about the fact we need to build housing that is comfortable and decent, which will create jobs in the process instead of just subsidizing private landlords, as we currently do now with billions of pounds of year, a, a year in housing benefit because of unaffordable rents. That we can have a genuine living wage in this country. Nobody should be earning their poverty. That we can eliminate, I mean, to even talk about this in 2019, hunger of children in Britain. All of these are injustices which are transient and temporary if we have the determination and resilience. And the inequalities and injustices that scar education are just one symptom of that broader problem. This is a social order which has forfeited its right to exist. If it can't provide a decent, affordable existence for the majority, for so many millions, then of course the consequences will be felt in education as well. So let's campaign to transform our education system. Let's make sure everybody, as in Finland, has a decent local comprehensive school where people from different backgrounds can mix together and share their experiences as you can often find in the best London schools which has benefited everybody there but let's also commit to tackling the root causes the main root causes of those educational inequalities which is a society which concentrates wealth and power in the hands of a tiny elite and leaves millions of people with lives scarred and defined by insecurity in a society where the wealth of the top 1,000 people can more than double whilst the wages of, the, of, of millions of working people has declined for the longest period since the Napoleonic era. These are all decisions all of us can make and that means being organized, it means being active, it means being engaged in struggle, because the only way we ever get change is not waiting for the goodwill and generosity of the powerful, but organizing from below. Thank you.